Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hey, everybody. I'm Susanna Mars, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. We have been having so much fun in here waiting <laughs> to uh, start recording. I'm with Ashley Rowland and Jamie Hampton from BodyVox. They are the co-founders, co-artistic directors of the organization, and they're doing incredible work. But more importantly, we're talking about how you could actually be pregnant and not know it. Wow. <laughs> we are. We're how bizarre. <laughs> We're not pregnant and we don't know. Honey, right. I forgot to tell you something. I don't even know. <laughs> so, I wouldn't even know. on to the more exciting uh, subject at hand, or maybe just not. Let, just, I don't know. Just leave That's... that hanging out there and your entire audience is going to go, and we're done. What, what was that for an introduction? <laughs> and uh, BodyVox has got some really great programming coming up. Uh, first of all, The Wind in the Wild, featuring the Imani Winds Quartet. Tell us a little bit about that. What's going on with this collaboration? It's the it's a, the first quartet that has five people in it. Yeah. It's the Imani Winds Quintet. And, and we... Quintet. Uh, Gosh, darn it. Quintet. The Imani Winds Quintet. Yes. Quintet. Uh, so then I thought maybe it would be interesting to have five directors called Quintet Tarantino. Ooh. That, you're good with words. Well, I don't know. This morning it's the coffee. So Imani <laughs> Winds are uh, five brilliant musicians from New York who uh, we have worked with in the past. We did a show with them in 2013 mm -hmm. through Chamber Music Northwest. Chamber Music Northwest, dear friends of ours, we get to collaborate with them almost every year and every year is completely wild and different and <laughs> it's wind and wild and so we thought oh this is great they're wind instruments and we're kind of wild so they're the wind and we're the wild i love so, it so that's the show that's coming up in april april 24 and 25 yeah yeah at revolution hall revolution hall right <clears throat> yeah. it's a how long have you been working at revolution hall this, this will be our first this is the first time oh that's great yeah. Yeah. yeah i haven't thought of it as a dance space so when you look at a new mm -hmm. space how how do you assess, because you have a beautiful space of your own, how and why you want to work there? Is it? Are you, you looking know, for unique qualities in the well, space? Well, it has to be a place that has capacity, that, that, that can hold enough people. Mm -hmm. And when we do these shows, we, we get a larger audience because you have the whole Body Vox audience and then the whole Chamber Music audience. Mm -hmm. and a place, our building has amazing acoustics. We, mm -hmm. It's just fantastic for us. So I, I was going to say it has to be a place that sounds great, but ours does already. Um, but we need a bigger stage. You know, there's five of them, and mm -hmm. and there's ten of us, and and Revolution Hall is just different. We like to get out of our building. Our building is very familiar mm -hmm. to us, and so we like to go into a new space I, frequently. The so, pieces that I've seen in your space with live music, I I just adore that relationship. And um, when the quintet is on stage, is there uh, contact between the dancers yeah. and the musicians? Yes. I, I always we think can't that's super fascinating. It's just <laughs> our tendency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some interaction. And uh. they also um, will be active without us on stage. Mm -hmm. They do a piece, and I forget what it's called, something African interpretations or something like that. I can't Afro remember. Blue. Afro Blue. Mm. Yeah, and they will parade around. They'll come down the aisles, and they're... Um, embodying their music as well. So it's not just us dancing to their music, and they're really fabulous and fun, and they allow us to play with them. So wow. we, we go into the building and see what the building will give us also. Right. So, so there are things that we'll do the day we go in when we have our first rehearsal in the building. We'll say, oh, okay, 
here's the space. You guys could be here and we could be here and we could come in together. And I think you like to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a collaboration all the way down to the end, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and Mm -hmm. uh, through the performances, which kind of leads me to something I've been thinking about a lot. And that is this new research that's being done on people's uh, addiction to technology and that there's actually a thing called digital dementia that's resulting from this addiction and that human contact I mean, I've always known this intuitively, and I, I would venture you as artists would feel similarly, that contact is the antidote yeah. to that, and that this is one of the things as artists that we have to offer, uh, yeah. which is real contact. And as you're describing musicians coming through and yeah. in other arts events where I've been an audience, uh, just that engagement, mm. you offer so much uh, in that way to the community. And dancers can't help but touch each other. That sounds really bad. No. <laughs> but our art form sort of is defined by our interaction, our physical interaction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is incredibly powerful and wonderful to be intimate with a number of different people that aren't necessarily your romantic partner. Mm-hmm. And so you get so much positivity and energy from that. I had a girlfriend one time come to a rehearsal and she watched us premiere a new piece and she came up to me afterwards. She had recently been married. She was young. She was in her early 20s. And she said, you're so fortunate. And I said, oh, it's a good piece. And she said, no. <laughs> it's not <laughs> no, a good no. piece. <laughs> it's not about the piece. It's about that you get to touch all these people, embrace them, dance with them, move with them. You know, where she had just married someone and she was designated to have one intimate partner then forward, you know, going forward. And I had never realized that. It's true. You know, we're so, so fortunate that we, you know, male, female, whatever, we're, uh, you know, touching, embracing, sharing, lifting, caring. It's trust exercises all day long. And I think it's so beautiful because I know whenever I see a dance piece, it inspires me to feel more tactile in the world because mm-hmm. you guys are such you set the table for it mm. and i think it's something that all human beings desire mm. is that yeah. that touch yeah. and and we have problems I, I think in the us with boundaries and with yeah. what it means to touch someone and how you can touch someone in a non sexual way there's so much to you talk know, about there what i enjoy is if you watch some of those dance programs like dancing with the stars or so you think you can dance and ultimately what happens is you, you see the video package you see them working hard together then you see the product which is the piece they've created and then they come and they face the judges and when they face the judges they're almost 100% holding on to each other. Mm. They hold hands, they've got arms around each other. You know, going through the experience of learning dance, doing dance, and especially with a partner, you gain this incredible trust, this intimacy, and the shared experience of sort of facing someone who's going to judge you. Mm. And I love seeing that. I love seeing people who are not dancers holding on to other people because they've learned and they've touched and they love it. That sounds... No, no, it's yeah. so it's beautiful fantastic. and you're so yeah. right on. And and it's it's sharing um I think our vulnerabilities with each other. I mean, because when mm-hmm. you're dancing, for instance, and I'm not a professional dancer, but I've had to dance at work in various ways, that even working with a choreographer and knowing my own personal limitations and what I can and cannot do. It really to share those Mm. fears and Mm -hmm. wanting to achieve something physically Mm. and maybe being able to or not, like you mentioned in the 
in the contest type shows, you see people really putting themselves out there in a way that's super yeah. brave. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's neat. Yeah. Everyone should do it. Yeah. Well, and that <laughs> kind of leads that- me to, you guys have lots of classes. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. take a look at the Body Vox website and just get inspired to, to touch people. I would yeah. say <laughs> we have a bounty of classes, a bounty's worth of classes that are for people who have never danced before. Right. Or who are just introduced to dance or who, are, you know, want to learn the beginnings of ballet or, you know, and and that I love because the people who walk in our door are all different shapes and sizes, all different ages, all different backgrounds. And it is a very eclectic space. And, and that's the kind of place where you can develop your intuition, your imagination. And that's the antidote to this yeah. tech addiction. Mm. And that's the antidote to not connecting. Yeah, we have no Wi-Fi at Bodyvox. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Yes, we have very good Wi-Fi. I like to watch people coming into the class and then see them coming out afterwards, Mm. the sort of before and after. And they usually linger and they talk to each other and they're afterwards, you know, and they're, they're just buoyant. And they've had this shared... And this is more for the classes that aren't, you know, like a hardcore ballet class mm-hmm. you know those people are in there the the ballet people or the modern people they're, they're in there to get a really good workout and work on their technique and that kind of thing but a class that's more just about moving and then afterwards it's like they've all been through something together mm-hmm. and they, they came from completely different places they didn't come there as a group of professional dancers in different companies to work on their thing you know they're I, I mean, they're just people, you know, and, and we have great friendships that have formed yeah. through the mm-hmm. Body Vox studio. They come, and they'll marriages, come in, which is yeah, yeah. that's true. They'll come so in we're and stand. A dating website. <gasps> just, just kidding. No, before, before I have the... to say, I think arts organizations <laughs> are the place. If you are a lover of art, you want you want to meet a like minded person. I think you have something there. <laughs> I think I'm teasing personally. I'm always thinking Artslandia. You know, just like a nice yeah. meetup. You know, mm-hmm. I guess there are lots of meetups, but because there's yeah. people who want to do those types That's of right. things. First date, bring them to a Body Vox show. <laughs> right, you got lots to talk about. There you go. It's fun. You're in a great neighborhood with lots of food and. That's it. Yeah. Well, anyway, back to what you have on the docket for after uh, the Imani Quintet piece, you have Rain and Roses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a new piece that you're developing. That's right. It's all, <laughs> it sounds like you said nude piece, which is great. No, it's <laughs> nude not. piece. New, new piece. That's right. Rain and Roses, uh, two words that define Portland, a very Portland piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it in Nopo, North Portland, at a warehouse. Oh, neat. Beautiful space. So we're going off site. We're not going to be at Body Vox. We're going to have a live indie band, um, two or three singers. And our 10-dancer ensemble, which includes Jamie and me, Uh um, and I think it's going to be really, really crazy fun. Oh, it sounds really incredible, and it's going to run May 10th through May 19th. And the... the the sort of basic idea of the show, and we, you know, when we, whenever we make a season, we we dream it up a year in advance or mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. And so last year we were thinking, well, we wanted to do another piece offsite with a live band, and and we came up with this idea that the music would all be written by women, and so all of the songs are, I mean, it's by Feist and. 
Bjork and Yoko Ono and Katie Lang. And we're just, we've gone out and found these songs that hang together in, and we're not quite sure yet what the narrative is. It's a couple of months off, so we don't know what the through line is yet, except every dancer is a character for the whole show. Mm. And we're going in and out of these different vehicles. There's, and this warehouse is giant. I mean, it's the ceiling 60 feet high. So we have, we have aerial pieces, we have people oh. flying and, and um, it's a lovely building that, again, I think we'll really use the building. Mm. Um, it's part of the character. It plays yeah, a character yeah, role. Yeah, You really couldn't do a show. We could not do a show like this in our own space. It's mm. just, you know, that's why we want to go out. We, we just kind of accesses a whole different, you know, set of imagination muscles. Well, I like what you said earlier. It's the architecture. It's relating to architecture. Yeah. And I really... Love that. There's a, a kind of an acting technique that's similar in the viewpoints uh, technique, which oh. is about architecture and your relation to it as a character in a play or, you know, and I'm just fascinated by that because I think we are impacted by architecture. Mm-hmm. I don't understand acting. I, I've, I've thought about this a lot mm-hmm. and I thought early on I would be an actor. Mm-hmm. But when I watch you or anybody. I, there's something about it. I was watching my son. He's 12 and mm. he's in a play, school play this morning. Oh, and he's no. this pirate. Oh. And he's standing there delivering these lines. And and it was great. It was it was almost there. And then I was thinking, oh, maybe he could do this and this. But I don't, I wouldn't know how to, I was watching them and I was watching some of the kids who were just completely awesome. Oh. And then others, not quite, they're holding back or something. And I wondered... Is the enemy of good acting being self-conscious, thinking about yourself too much? I'd say that's one of them. One of them. Uh-huh. I would. Uh, because, yeah. And I would say probably similarly with dance, right? When you're not listening and feeling yeah. what's happening around yeah. you when you're too much in your head. See, for us, dance is so natural to us we don't ever get nervous before we go on mm-hmm. about ourselves we mm-hmm. might go oh i hope the show works but we're never we're just okay i'm standing here off stage and now i'm standing here on stage and there's no difference except mm-hmm. that all i do is i just fill myself with more of me right and then attack or whatever or i sort of know. abandon myself y- y- yeah you right do. that's in a really good way well to put i, it. So I, that more I abandon that person who's worried about you know i gotta go home and cook dinner or whatever you just abandon that and go out in the moment and just embody for me acting seems so different because it's a string of ideas that are coming through the voice and then you have to integrate it with the body movement and everything and for us we're talking with our bodies i mean that's why we call body vox body vox the voice of the body Mm -hmm. we wanted to be telling stories with our bodies not miming but that you know relationships and the way bodies move together is going to tell you something and and i think that's why audiences appreciate what we do because they get more than just people leaping around and mm-hmm. looking you know I like think our dancers athletes. really enjoy that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they really yeah. enjoy taking on different roles, taking on different challenges. Okay, in this role you've got to be a romantic person, in this role you're going to be something that is more I don't know, childlike or and those challenges mm-hmm. bring wisdom to their artistry whereas opposed to working with a maybe a particular type of abstract choreographer, you don't get those extra challenges. About two years ago, two or three years ago, Ashley started this thing where we would would begin rehearsals 
with acting exercises. Mm, so it was all speaking. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it was movement, but mostly it was speaking. And it was setting up scenarios and then having people improvise. And it was quite fascinating because some people, were it, it came very easily to them and other dancers they just couldn't do it. Right. You know? Well, and that's exciting, I think, because I know if you have the vocabulary, body and mind, to use movement to supplement, or not even supplement, to be in hand in hand with creating a character, I think you have much more to draw upon. And physically, depending on the character you're playing, if you're playing someone who physically is not like you, you know, Mm. you have a real ability to tap into things that can can be beautiful and uh i think it's it's fascinating i I see a lot of more theatrical pieces that are using choreographers to generate imaginative movement that's not necessarily realistic and i think again that's a wonderful bridge for audience to see how the human body can be in the world which is not as we are day to day you know, to mm-hmm. to yeah. couple and to put your dancers with lines or to put actors with dance to try to bridge mm-hmm. that, I want to say gap, although there's not really a gap because all humans mm-hmm. are able. Yes. You to know? combine the arts. Right. With yeah. intention mm-hmm. and, and, and also beauty. Yeah. You know, uh, I think yeah. about, I don't know, there's something about dance, that nobility and also the history behind it, behind movement. Well, everybody talks and everybody plays roles here and there, but not everybody is comfortable moving with their bodies. And yeah. so it's all, there is that sense of voyeurism when you're sitting in a theater and you're watching dancers dancing. It's right. kind of a weird thing. I uh, agree. And yeah. sometimes even it's so sensual that it's almost uncomfortable, I think, for some viewers yeah. to see people being tender with each other yeah. in public in that way. Hmm. You know, our job, we try really not to be provocative for the sake of that. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't do work that like, oh, we're going to really push some buttons and see what happens, Mm -hmm. you know. And there's a lot of artists. I mean, I think like there's a majority of artists that do that. Mm -hmm. We just don't, we've never been interested in in that because that makes you, that, that makes your audience do more of the work than you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. I don't, I don't think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I think that we should be doing most of the work. Well, and when you're you telling know? a story that's authentic, then, then you are never. Yeah. You're telling a real story and you have the integrity. Yeah, yeah. You know, and your artists are But it's never, I don't, it. don't think we do work that's a, an affront. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. We do work. We think it's, it's really important to be emotional and be either really, you know, ecstatic or really sad or really but real about it mm-hmm. but I, but i don't think we ever do a work that says let's do this and see what happens see what yeah. see what they do with this right. you know challenge yeah. we're really here to challenge you you know well we're in partnership with audience you know yeah. we they trust us we trust them to come and support us yeah, and so see the work gr- and we have a relationship that. with them yeah we want to make sure that we are always holding the fact that they are spending time with us you know Hold it dear. Yeah, right. You know, I like that. I think we like to leave our audience feeling smart. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's nice. They get it. Mm-hmm. You know, 
we'll do a piece and we'll introduce an idea and then we'll bring the idea back and then perhaps we'll bring it back again. It's sort of like Hitchcock. you got to tell them the name three times or they mm. won't remember it. And if you do that, your audience starts to go, oh, I get it, which, right. you know, dance can be one of those very aloof art forms that people walk away going, I don't get it. Mm. And so in a way, it's a goal for us to help our audience feel smart, feel like they get it, to feel welcome, to feel like they want to come back. Oh, it's a great thing. Yeah. yeah. Really great. So I have some funny questions for you guys. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Get ready. The first question I want to ask you is, if you could talk to Mother Nature, what would you say? Oh, wow. Why do we grow old? <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. I love that. Ever. I don't well, like that. Bad design. We are no. not, we're not up for this old I, thing. The Benjamin Button thing kind of is tempting to me. <laughs> <laughs> Could we start with the wisdom in the age and then go back to youth and keep the wisdom? Oh, I'm so with you on that. than a quarter. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, the aging thing, I, I just sort of think Mother Nature. I don't know. I just would, like stay young and then boom, like done. Button right. off. Turn it off. Turn the engine off. <laughs> so you're not you don't have a problem with an expiration date. You just want to be 27. Yeah. For uh, like uh, 200 years. Yeah, yeah, but with all the wisdom. I'm well, 2700. Like a- <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a movie title, you know, 20 what 2027s. 2027s. And then that's the last one. Right. Do you think you'd be upset? No, I don't think you would. Anyway, I would I would ask nature and this is weird. I don't even know why I said it. Does it hurt to be nature? Like does it hurt? Oh. Like all of these trees poking up out of the ground and and they fall down when the wind does it hurt? We don't know. Stingy. You know people think that does they, they played music. Good? Yeah, does an earthquake <laughs> feel good? Like, oh, it's oh, like a back like scratch. Yeah, yeah, cracked my back. Oh God, that felt good. <laughs> Sorry about the tsunami that wiped out San Francisco, but oh I just had to get that. God, crack that out was of my great. <laughs> so here's another question. Have you ever pretended to be someone else? And if not, would you? Yes, I did. <laughs> when I was in college, my girlfriend and I, I don't know why we did this, but I think we were fearing the consequences of dating. We would go to a fair or something like that, and we would pretend to be British. Oh my gosh, I used to do that. Yes, and we would do it. And we'd I'm so pick glad up you guys. brought that up. We would pick up guys, and we'd date them. In fact, one, my girlfriend ended up dating a guy. <laughs> I went to a, a college that was in the same town. I went to North Carolina School of the Arts, and he went to Wake Forest. And she ended up dating him for about two months and keeping the British thing going until finally she was like, I, I have to tell him at some point. She, yeah, it was a big disappointment. So was he mad? Reveal. Um, I think he... I think he was a little mad, but they continued to date. So there you go. He actually saw some genuine part of her that he liked. Interesting. Which was good. But yeah, I the whole British story. thing was... Why I have no idea, but we just thought it was more fun to act British and act, you know. And it's that's, that's what actors do. When, whenever they they don't quite know what to do, they 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 stop talking in an accent, a British accent. <laughs> right. And exactly. then there's that vague, maybe I just that thought vague it was so sort of accent that sort of goes like this, but it's not really it's, British. It's, it's, it's just, just it's, sort of mid Atlantic. It's mid Atlantic. It's somewhere it's, on a boat between <laughs> continents. Right. It's uh, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> she was y'all. <your. laughs> I, I, I don't, I, the only person I've ever pretended to be was my brother because when we were younger, we looked like each other. And so um, s- someone came up to me and said, Dave, how's it going? And I said, God, I'm just so hungover by, by this party. And oh my God, and this is like in high school. You know, <laughs> I was in college and he was still in high school and I was going like, yeah, and oh boy, I don't know if... 
my friend is going to be happy anymore because I was all over his girlfriend, but I didn't know what I was doing anyway. And they go, oh, God, Dave, that's terrible. (laughs) But outside of that, that's not very interesting. Poor Dave. Poor Dave. I know if he's listening. So if you could indulge in anything without consequence, what would it be? Okay, for me, it would be surfing Jaws. Surfing yeah, Jaws. Yeah, getting towed in to Jaws wow. wave off Maui. Ooh. 100-foot waves. Oh. you got to understand, really. That's a good idea. Yeah. I started surfing when I was 47, thinking I would be a surfer by 50. Mm-hmm. And um, 13 years after being 50, I'm still working at it. So I'm really comfortable on a three-foot wave. <laughs> but when I see Jaws, I just think, that. That'd be amazing to do. So without consequence means I won't wipe out and get crushed on the reef. So I would love to do that. Yeah. I'm going to crash a rock show and just take over the microphone. To have Bono just, you know, here, Bono, just stand over here. I, I got the same high notes. I, I, I don't know if they're on the same pitch, but you stand over there. I'll just cover this one. <laughs> yeah, for a few, t- a few songs, no consequences. Thank you very much. Done. I love you, Portland. Gone. I love you, Portland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, those are totally, good. Totally. Crash a rock show. All right. So the final kooky question. If you could be a fly on a wall anywhere, <gasps> whose wall or what wall would you choose wow. and why? Yeah. Maybe Bono's wall. Bono's wall. <laughs> hmm. um, I am a history buff. Mm-hmm. I, I like history. I think being a fly, a very pretty fly. <laughs> Pretty fly on the wall of Independence Hall really nice as they were boots. sort of getting uh, our 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 young nation together, maybe forming the you know the Declaration of Independence. With Seeing some of the fist fights yeah, in the. I would love that, or maybe in the Abbey Road Studios, just sit there and watch the <gasps> oh. Fab Four put it together. Oh, that that's a good one. Unbelievable. Mm. I think uh, it would be. Either a wall on the studio of Picasso when he was painting the Guernica to just see really what was like happening, or in the in the wall uh, on the wall of the studio of Tesla mm. when he was doing his weird oh, stuff. Absolutely. Like I wonder if he was actually communicating with the aliens and if I, <laughs> we could see that because mm. he was definitely not really from around here. No. Yeah. Another amazing immigrant. It would be yeah, pretty from great to be... Planet. Oh, there's too many flies I want to be now. I know. <laughs> I want to be on the capsule of the I'd Apollo like 13 a, and uh, yeah. in there. It wouldn't like, be good, though, to be a fly. In Houston, a, we have a fly. I'm going to put this out there, but I know I'm going to forget the name. But there is a... Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's wife is an author. Her name is Rebecca, and I can't remember her last name, but she wrote a book... And the book is from the perspective of a fly. She's Arthur Miller's daughter. Yes, Rebecca, Rebecca Miller. Miller. You are good. Yeah. Nailed it. Anyway, she wrote a, a novel that I read, and, and it, the main character is a fly on the wall. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Kind of fun. Yeah. I would Although like to I be could a never... fly on the wall of the movie, the Jeff Goldblum movie, The Fly. <laughs> Oh, that's so like can, a that's very meta. It's very. <laughs> I'm gonna be a fly and I on a fly. If I watch him turning into this giant fly, if I would be like freaked out. <laughs> Maybe you were the fly. I could be the that fly. was in the time machine. <laughs> I might have that been. combines with his genetics. Yeah, yeah. See, that question just always gets me to the point of the fly going to the poop. I, 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 oh, like, I yeah. none of us went there. I know, but I. But you I, just did. I know. I. That's why I said a pretty fly. Yeah. I want to be the house fly. And you'd have to have fly. little booties. 
for the time Little when you... booties. <laughs> so you just never had to... You just can't help yourself. Oh, there's poop. I have to go over there. They're magnets. I mean, I'm really interested in Tesla, but there's some poop over in the corner. I just have to go. Oh, look, I'm standing on the poop watching Tesla do his thing. I'm in heven. And this I've got is fly some heaven. really nice poop booties. <laughs> really nice. Hip waiter. What would hip waiters for flies Aww. look like? Six of them. Ooh. All joined with this little belt. There's probably a children's book that has that. We'll Probably. have to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca you've got Miller, write we it. need a sequel. That's right. Well, thanks, you guys, so much for coming to talk to me. It's always really fun. So yeah. get your bodies, um, with or without boots, to Body Vox uh, <laughs> coming up in April and then also in May. And uh, have a wonderful day. I know you're going straight to rehearsal. That's right. Thank you, Susanna. Yeah, we have Pleasure. to get it together. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>